kind of guy if he brought literally if my sister brought him home I'd be terrified <laughs> but he Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It's great to be back. We, we're starting off this offseason. is going to be hectic. There's going to be a lot of content out there. And look, we're going to start off here talking a little bit more about some of the prospects that may help the Bears. In particular today, we will be talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now, if you are the type of person that just wants to... No the positives, no the negatives. Have a quick brief overview on this player. There is a draft profile video that is available on our YouTube channel. Again, that was just recorded yesterday. It's a quick five-minute hit if you just want to get the kind of brief synopsis of this type of player. But really, we're here today to look at this in more depth on when does this make sense for the Bears? Does this make sense for the Bears? And is it a really good fit? So look, we're going to start off here where we know right now that the Bears are probably looking ahead at free agency at the draft, knowing that they need to improve on offense. Obviously, they made a trade for a wide receiver already, but a lot of people think that they need to add to that wide receiving core. And I think we've heard it enough that there's not many top guys that people are enthralled with in free agency. So that could leave the Bears to having to resort to looking at it via the draft. So what we're here today to do is to kind of look at, well, one, does it make sense if the Bears only move back slightly to even consider it? Do they need to move back to a certain level? And then the other question is, is he the wide receiver that the Bears should be targeting in the first round if they want to get a receiver in that first round? Before we kind of get into this, First of all, Tony, Seth, how are you guys doing? It's it's always good to get into another busy week talking Bears football. Yeah, good man. And it's it's almost the end of February, so I've got free agency on my mind. Um, I'm already thinking ahead to what we could be doing there, but for today, obviously, I know we're going to be chatting more sort of draft stuff. But yeah, listen, the season, this is the first week without any football, unless you count in the XFL. Um, and I don't know if anybody's watched any XFL. I I, I tried, <laughs> I tried to watch it, but it, it, it just it just couldn't hold my attention. Um, I'm sorry, guys, but I'll maybe try again next week. But yeah, so we've a long way to go, but at least we can we can fill the time with as much of this sort of chat as possible, which is always great. And uh, I am one of those people who watched a little bit of that, <clears throat> mostly because I, I hope the XFL can turn into kind of a G actual G league for, you know, some people who maybe don't want to go to college or 
don't have a, a, an easy shot on the 53 chance to show, show some things. There was one exciting game. I could not for the life of me tell you the teams that were in it, but there was a, they've got the, the one rule of instead of onside kick, you get fourth and 15 from your own 25, which is I like a, that. It's a really cool like rule. Uh, yeah. and, and that, uh, yeah, shows that it can be done. But other than that, I'm good and, and ready to, to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I, I, didn't, I didn't watch a moment of the XFL. Somebody asked me, was I going to watch it? And the first thing that I said was, I don't really want to watch bad football. So, like, it's hard as well. We now have, like, a link to any of these teams as well. So hopefully they can get some popularity where, like you said, Seth, that some of these guys, maybe even some of the guys that don't get drafted and become kind of UDFAs that maybe that's the route that they prefer to go rather than going to a team just to get caught if they actually really look at themselves and like, I'm not ready yet. I need more, more experience, but I think it does kind of need to happen. Maybe if they spread it out over the year as well, that it happens at kind of some of the downtimes, it'd be a good idea to be able to do that. But look, we are here today to see how the bears can improve and look, I think one of the key points here is nobody expects Jackson Smith and Jigba to get selected as like the number one pick or the third pick overall or anything like that. So really to caveat this conversation, it would realistically have to happen via a trade up or a trade down. Trading down probably to, I guess the way it's, some of the prognosticators are saying that you probably have to trade out of the top 10 or at the back end of the top 10, if you had him rated that highly, or if Jackson Smith and Jigga started to fall a little bit and maybe you try and move up if you do get extra picks. I think those are kind of the realistic scenarios here. So what we're going to do today is we're going to give a kind of a brief overview. We will talk about the positive elements to his game, the limitations to his game, how it fits with the Bears if they did really go for it. The viewpoint from a lot of you guys on social media, and we'll take some of the comments as well on your opinions of this player, and then kind of his current draft hypers, current draft projections at the moment. And then we'll finally make kind of our, our opinion on whether we think the Bears should draft him or if they should actually target somebody else at that position. But before we go into our opinion on this, Let's get the opinion of Bears quarterback Justin Fields, where he was recently on Barstool Sports when he was doing all those uh, media interviews and actually talks a little bit about Jackson Smith and Jigba. So we'll listen to that and then we'll come back on the other side of it. I'm going with my man, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen him in action. I've seen how he can separate himself like that and... You know, his just body control is, is crazy. And, you know, he didn't get to play this past year. He didn't get to show what he could do. So, um, you know, I'm hoping he falls to us somehow. But I don't yeah. know. But we do have, you know, some some help that we need on in the, in the trenches. So, you know, a lot of people are talking about us taking Jalen Carter or uh, Will Anderson uh, Jr. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I'm guessing we'll get one of those guys and, you know, maybe some guys in free agency. But, you know, one guy that I would love to have is uh, Jackson Smith. Yeah, I like that. I always love the connection, like little new – so it's interesting because he's the one guy that he really mentioned, mentioned him twice, obviously talks about what the 
the main hype out there is that they stay at one will anderson jr and jalen carter the one thing i kind of took away from it he didn't seem too enthralled when he was talking about those two names because i think he looks at it and is like oh yeah they're great players and stuff but i think he's focused on he does want to get more improvements on the offense to push it forward and it's interesting listening to someone obviously there's the link to ohio state but it is always interesting when your quarterback will come out and actually speak in glowing terms about a prospect that look right now the bears aren't really in the position and i think he kind of admits that that when he's saying if he falls to us knowing that you're drafting at number one so if you really wanted them you could pick them but it's just not very likely that the bears would go in that direction if they were picking in kind of the top three but i guess before we move on to anything else tony i'll start with you what was your kind of opinion when you hear justin talk about someone like that that he are he obviously already knows that Jackson Smith and Jigba's first touchdown for Ohio State was thrown by Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I don't like to be cynical, as you know, but, you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, you get asked that question as a quarterback uh, of, of a team that's going to be, you know, heavily building this offseason. Who do you want to add? You want to add your friends. You know, you want to add people that you've played with before, so he's obviously going to pick, pick his man, hype up his man a little bit sort of thing. I think it was a bit of a homer pick uh, yeah. for, for Justin Fields, if I'm being honest with you, um, whether or not he would actually want to take um, Smith and Jigba or not, you know, actually I don't know. I mean, again, it just depends at what stage in the draft it's at, but I mean, there's no doubt that there's chemistry there and, and you know, the, the, the thing with the quarterback is they need to be involved with the sort of players that the recruitment that's happening with the players um, in terms of bringing the right sort of players in. We knew that he was involved with looking at Velas Jones Jr. last year. Um, you know, so far that's not went too too well, but there's still time. Um, but you know, the difference with this one is he's actually played with Smith and Jigba. That could that could contribute to it. But yeah, I mean, I think it was mostly just one of those things that you sort of see in passing. But you know, if it if it boosts his pal up the ladder a little bit, then you know that what are friends for? You know? Yeah, exactly. And Seth, I guess in in the same sort of vein he probably looks at it as well i know what type of talent he is and then he goes back and looks at all the ohio state wide receivers that have come out in recent years and each one of them has had a successful at least start to their nfl career i think we mentioned a couple of them on on twitter the likes of michael thomas terry mclaurin you had obviously Olave this year Garrett Wilson and when you have Olave and Garrett Wilson doing an interview with JSN last year I believe when they were kind of preparing for this draft this draft season they couldn't have sang JSN's praises more than they possibly could they even admitted that he was the best athlete out of them all and for a guy that doesn't have that burning speed that elite athleticism it kind of shows some of the other traits that he does have that a lot of his peers anyway, really, really right. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm in the same boat of, you know, it's a guy who is rapidly falling in a lot of people's boards. And then you have a guy who a lot of people, you know, respect in Justin Fields coming out and saying, oh, I wish I could throw to him. Part of that's, yeah, just lip service stuff that, you know, obviously we're not going to take him number one or number five or 
you know, number seven or nine, like that's just not going to happen. Um, but you know, I do think there's something to be said in, in the traits he does have. And I think it really all comes down to that injury and what he looks like coming back from it. Cause yes, he was a great athlete prior to this injury. And like, we've seen people not be able to come back from knee injuries that other people do and, or just not come back the same. And, you know, if you take away some of those athletic traits he has and body control things because he's not trusting his knee, well, then really, you know, outside of an above average slot receiver, what do you have? Well, that's the thing. I think where it's a little bit different is that it's not like he tore his ACL or MCL or anything like that. We actually don't note the extent of his hamstring injury because it seemed like it was something that Ohio State weren't worried about during the year that he wasn't worried about early on and just thought that it would settle and he was practicing but it just didn't feel right when it was coming to the games and it looks like then he re-aggravated it and just wasn't able to kind of be able to play in that and at some point you do have to look after yourself and knowing that if you're not going to be 100% it's going to be difficult for you to be able to get back that's the biggest thing right that's when we talk about the limitations of Jackson Smith and Jigba today a lot of it will be based around the injury because you have a hamstring injury it cuts your season short you basically played in officially three games but realistically you only I think he only had something like 10 receptions this year if even because he just wasn't healthy enough to be out there. And that's where I think a lot of the question marks will come because we have one elite year where he broke all the big 10 records, which we will talk about as well. But the problem is sometimes this would have been the perfect year to know what type of player he was. Chris Alave was gone. Garrett Wilson was gone. He was going to be the guy to step up and see can he play outside or is he only going to be that slot receiver? Because obviously when you have Alave and Wilson who are playing on the outside, he was put on at the slot receiver position, but now we don't know if he can play at the outside because he's not done it in college. He was their slot receiver last year. So that's the difficult part of this kind of evaluation. And that's what we're going to get into a little bit today. We're going to talk about kind of, I guess, an, his background, what what was it like coming into Ohio State, and then his good points and his bad points. So look, again, he was from some from some prognosticators coming into Ohio State. Some had him as a five star recruit. Some had him as a four. I think ESPN had him as a four. But he wasn't in twenty nineteen. He wasn't all American coming in. Gets into Ohio State, and to the point of where he was appearing in some games as a freshman. And like I said, his first touchdown reception was from Justin Fields. And it was a very, very good catch and a really interesting one to watch. But the fact that he was even able to get in there early on kind of showed to a testament for him. But I think he, the fact that as a freshman getting to play in seven games, when there's a stacked receiving core ahead of you is something that is really good. He only had 10 receptions that year for 49 yards um, with one touchdown but again it's the fact that Justin would know him because he would have had him in practice for the whole year as well so that's one of the interesting points there I guess some of his measurables he's about six foot six one 
Um, depending on what website you want to look at, I think we kind of have to wait until the combine to get his official measurements because um, often schools don't actually give the legit ones. <laughs> He's about 198 pounds, and the last kind of recorded 40-yard dash that he ran was a 448. Now, it's going to be interesting to see when he runs one. I don't think he'll run one at the combine, but I'd say he'll probably wait for the pro day. But really, the season where everybody raves about him was his sophomore season in 2021. Played in 13 games and had the best wide receiving season in the Big Ten. And he had 1,606 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. And when quarterbacks were targeting him, they had a 141.8 rating. Like it's, he was legitimately one of the best wide receivers that year. And that's in an offense where you have Olave and Wilson that know that they're going to be entering the NFL draft and everybody was saying how good they were and the fact that he had a better season than both of those players like I remember last year everybody just saying that Alave was so good just because he had Justin Fields with him and he wasn't as good when CJ Stroud was there and maybe he's not as good as people are saying and people were like oh he might fall down ends up going I think what was it like 11 or 12 might even have been before that comes out, has a really good rookie year. Same thing with Garrett Wilson. So it just does show that it's an offense that works in terms of guys coming from the collegiate system to the NFL. We had Olave, we had Wilson that were successful rookies. So if he was able to build on that 2021 season, I think we wouldn't be talking about him as could he fall into the back end of the first round? Is there any sort of potential that he falls into the second round? I think if he's able to put up even, not even the same level of numbers, but even uh, adequate to an, a to a quite good season, he's everybody's probably talking about him as the first wide receiver off the board. They're probably talking about him as the back end of the top 10, maybe 10 to 15. But the issue is, in his 2022 season, he only appeared in three games and he only had four receptions overall. And getting sidelined with a hamstring injury all year, it's its a tough one. And look, before we go into kind of his scouting report in terms of his strengths and his weaknesses, we've seen there's a couple of comments that people put down that I think one said that they're scarred from uh, seeing Kevin White with his injury and things like that. And Look, Tommy, I, was I know we could get through a full episode without a wide receiver chat without mentioning that man's name, but never mind. Sorry, continue. No, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this in just just for for this, Tony, is the fact of like how worried would you be if the Bears did draft him, knowing we have one elite year from him? Obviously, his first year as a freshman, you don't really expect him to play that much, but then really in one of the important years like if he puts up a good year we don't even have to talk about this this year because we're like yeah good wide receiver he's going to be successful in the league but the issue is we just don't have that data we only have the data for the first year so how worried would you be if the bears did decide to draft jackson smith and jigba i don't think i'd be overly worried i think you have to look at the scenario and that you mentioned earlier on is a hamstring injury um now with with the proper rest, recuperation, and treatment, that that can go back. You can return to pretty much one hundred percent of what you were before. Um, you know, you're talking about ACL injuries, and that's a completely different kettle of fish. 
you're 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 more worried in that situation. Um, so for me, um, you know, if they were to, to to draft them, I wouldn't I wouldn't fuss about it um, because I know firstly that he can do it at that kind of high level. He's come from a big school um, and, a, and a competitive. Uh, playing against competitive teams, so you know first and first and foremost, you don't need to worry about the injury and if he can adjust and play at that sort of higher level because we know that he can do that, albeit in a limited sense with with the position he's played. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's obviously going to be a, an aspect of it where you are a bit worried, but you've got to think that you know the Bears and every other team that are looking at him during the the combine and everything else are going to do their homework on this guy. Yeah. And, you know, guys like Ryan Poles are not going to want to gamble with a guy who might not be 100% uh, going into his, his first proper year as, as the GM and with all this money, all this draft capital to play with. Um, I know we've seen it happen in 2015 with, with Kevin White, but to be fair, there weren't really that many red flags from what I remember in the pre-draft process with Kevin White when it came to injuries. Do you know what I mean? So you can't really yeah. blame anybody for that happening. That That's just sheer dumb luck. Um, but, you know, if if Poles knows that he's had an injury issue going into it and still drafts him without doing the proper research, then that's a different, that's a different thing altogether. So if Poles is happy, I've, I'm putting my faith in the guy that, 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 that he knows what he's talking about. Um, and from a, an injury point of view, I would be happy to take him. Um, I think I think it would be a, 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 a an investment I wouldn't worry too much about. Yeah, and look, we'll start off with some of the strengths here, right? Look, we we've kind of mentioned it a little bit already, where he's not going to be this burner. But the thing is, even though he was used in the slot, he was still really good at tracking the deep ball. The one thing I like about him is that he's fluid moving both laterally and vertically, which you have some guys that will come into the draft that will be these kind of elite speed guys. They are that prototypical 6'5", X-style receiver that is kind of the, I guess, the sexy prototype that all fans want now that if you if you don't look like DK Metcalf, if you don't have, if you're not kind of that size and be able to have the speed, some fans will just be like, I don't want that receiver because they're not going to be a number one. And I like to say that you have to look at it as in an offense, you just need guys that can do different things that can make a defense not know what's coming next. The one thing I do like about Smith and Jake, by even watching him last year, um, because a lot of people obviously were, would be talking about kind of Alave and Wilson. And he, the one thing that stands out is the fact that doesn't have that elite speed but it's his footwork it's his route running it's those are the ways he's able to be and the fact that he doesn't have that kind of i know we talk about four three four four speed but he's consistently able to separate and that shows of a guy that understands the route tree shows a guy that has good footwork that defenses don't know where he's going on a particular route which is really really important he doesn't give anything away and it's something that we always talk about receivers coming into the draft and we talk about them as they need to get a little bit better. They need to kind of enhance their route. They need to be able to improve their footwork here, but these are things that can be improved. And then we talk about other guys and like, Oh, well they need to get better against press. 
is something that JSN has never really had an issue with. And that's that's always my first thing to look at with a wide receiver. Can they beat press coverage? If you can't beat press coverage in the NFL, you're not going to be a successful wide receiver in the NFL. So that's my first thing that I look for, is that if they're able to do that consistently in college football, okay, cool, that's step one where it's a positive and I'll continue looking at this guy as a viable target for my team, right? Obviously, you would love to have that guy that has excellent route running, excellent footwork, elite speed, good size, but there's not a lot of those guys that come out. There's always some limitations somewhere, right? The one thing that I like about him is that even though he didn't possess that kind of elite level speed, he was used a lot in the deep routes. He was able to gain separation. But the one thing is, and I like about him, he was always able to track the football. And that's something that you really need to be able to look at because you can have that speed. You can have kind of the height. You can have that athleticism. But we see it all the time, especially as Bears fans. We've seen it recently where you get a guy that gets past somebody, quarterback throws it up and they drop the football, right? This is something that he's able to locate it. And that's something that is really important, especially with a guy like Fields, because he likes to throw the ball deep. You need to have a guy that can track that football and can come down successfully with it. And I think that's one of the things that he is going to help any quarterback that he is going to be able to play. But I think he'll be productive early in in the year or early in his rookie year just because he has some of the things that some of those traits will make you successful without having kind of that absolute elite athleticism. But look, with that being said, it is something, one of those kind of drawbacks that people do look at because they want that kind of fast guy. They want that guy that looks like he can be that prototypical one because we talk about guys like DK Metcalf. We talk about uh, Jamar Chase and what he was able to do for the Bengals. Where I think another area of where it links up with the Bears, and I know a lot of people probably don't talk about this a lot, but we spoke about it for a lot of the signings and guys that the Bears targeted last year. He's a good blocker on the outside as well. And he has really good technique in that one. And when he does have the ball, he's very tough to bring down. And those are things that we have seen. The Bears have targeted receivers that are able to block because they do want to really start off with that running attack first. But also, when you have the ball, are you tough to take down? And I think that is some of the important elements of it. But before we move on to some of the limitations on them, Seth, I want to bring you in. When you see a receiver like this, where they have different traits to, I guess, the prototypical guy that you think of as a top 10 to 15 wide receiver talent, where we're talking more about his route running. We're talking more about him being able to get separation via his footwork that he's able to track the deep ball even without possessing that elite speed. What's your opinion of a guy, whether it was Smith and Jigba or some other guy that people are saying, oh, this could be a potential first-round pick that has those type of traits rather than that prototypical X-style receiver that kind of we spoke about a lot last year with George Pickens where we're like, he's really fast, he's really strong, he can go up and get the deep ball, he is that prototypical X and everybody kind of was enamored with him because I think he was a very similar type of receiver in college football to what we saw from DK Metcalf. And I think 
a lot of Bears fans and fans from other teams want that type of receiver. But what do you think of somebody that has the traits like a JSN as a, a potential first round pick? Well, I I think ultimately those traits are the things that like help a really good receiver go to the great route. And I think you can hide some things with speed. But when you rely solely on looking at somebody's, you know, physique, obviously there are very few people that have the, you know, height, weight, speed of a DK Metcalf. But when you rely on speed, most every NFL cornerback is fast. If your route running is awful or you're just not like completely adept, you're only going to hit a certain ceiling. Like if it was all based on speed and just ability to, you know, make people miss in the open field, then Devin Hester probably would be a Hall of Fame wide receiver because that man had the greatest, you know, open field ability and, you know, maybe not arguably like necessarily the fastest straight line guy. I mean, he's, he's up there, but I mean, that's a guy who theoretically, you know, if he was a little bit better of a route runner, probably could have been a thousand yard receiver. I mean, you saw what he did knowing, you know, knowing the things about him we know, and he, I think one season put up like 800 yards. Imagine if he was a quality route runner, like somebody like a Jamar Chase or, or, or somebody in, in those, you know, kind of ilk of, of route running ability. If he had the route running ability of a, uh, of a Jackson Smith and Jigba, like you're probably talking about a guy who can really take it to the next level. And that's why I think traits like that are almost more important than speed. Cause I mean, how many cornerbacks have we seen come out of, you know, college now that are six, one, 200 pounds and fast, like, you know, it's, there's tons of them coming out now. So like that's becoming less and less, it's becoming more important to be able to run clean routes, have you know the starting of your routes all look the same, and be able to you know take three steps and turn it into any route you want. You know, like those types of things. Not having you know those big tendencies; those matter. And if you happen to have you know elite speed, well, then that's just a bonus. But you know, ultimately, if you have to choose between somebody with elite speed and not good route running. And somebody with really great route running who might not be super fast, but is quick, you, you take that guy with those traits because scheme trumps, you know, talent sometimes. I mean, ultimately, really great talent trumps scheme, but like average talent, you know, can ma- be made to look really good if you're in the right scheme, you know. We've seen countless wide receivers over the years go into a system, you know, Christian Kirk, and uh, look like a number one wide receiver. I feel like you could put almost any receiver in with Trevor Lawrence and how Peterson runs that offense, and they'd probably have, you know, a quality season as a whole. I mean, look what Evan Ingram did this past year after yeah. years and years of of lackluster ability, and uh, the uh, the other guy who came from Oakland who had a pretty darn good season down there. So, I think Zay, Zay Jones. Yeah. yeah, I think you have to look at those traits. I think they're the most important, especially in regards to the Chicago Bears. You know, that scheme is very important and ability to block and ability, you know, to be quick to learn the offense matter more than just outright ability. Otherwise Claypool probably would have been utilized far more. Yeah, and look the the thing is that what I always look for because look, you can get a guy that in late rounds that has the speed, right? Like there's a lot of guys that'll come out that will run in the four fours or try and push to get to a four three 
But a lot of those guys don't amount to anything because they never really learn about routes and they get they're trying to teach it, but some guys just get it. Some guys know how to trick defenders with it and they're kind of able to have that sudden quickness, but also you have to have the ability to be able to move similarly both laterally and vertically. And some guys can't do that. Some guys are more kind of rigid when they're trying to cut in and out. And that's where I think he will separate himself. We always talk about in terms of the Bears wide receivers in recent years is they're not getting separation, right? And we talk about this on we I think we spoke about it on a weekly basis. And we had we had guys that had speed, but they weren't able to separate. And what's the reason for that? Is, well, the defenses now are getting just as athletic as some of these wide receivers. So you need to be able to get a guy that can separate based on other things as well. Is it beneficial to have that kind of elite straight line speed? Yeah, it's, it's really good because if you are doing like a play action, you're getting a guy to go deep and he's able to use that speed to get past somebody. Cool. But like often the most important ones are some of those middle area throws, the short passes where you just need somebody to get open quickly because we know right now the Bears don't have a really, really good O-line yet. They're going to need to build that. If they can build that and then you give receivers time, well, then, yeah, you can go get somebody that has that elite speed as well. But right now, I'm always of the opinion you need to go and get receivers that can do different things. And you don't want to get the same carbon copy of a Claypool, the same carbon copy of a Mooney. You do want to get kind of different skill sets. That's the way that you kind of want to work this thing. And that's why I don't always think you just need to go and get an X receiver. You just need to go get a guy that does something different that will give defenses fits as well, where they have to look at multiple players to to kind of guard. Because if you if you know you're coming up against a team, let's say the Vikings, right? And let's say the only Adam Thielen's gone, blah, blah, blah. And the only person they have is Justin Jefferson and nobody else is making plays. What do you think a defense is going to do? They're going to try and double up on Justin Jefferson. Now, if you have three receivers that do many different things and they know that they can all get open, well, then it becomes that much more difficult. And then that number one guy in Justin Jefferson is getting open a lot quicker than he would if you don't have the different styles. I think the Rams were the ones that were able to do that last year when they had the likes of Cooper Cup. They had when they brought in Odell Beckham and they saw the drop off when he got injured in the Super Bowl. So I think it is important to be able to do that. So those are some of the main positives when we talk about them. But now I think it's important to talk about the limitations because we need to be able to look at the two sides of the argument. And Tony, I'm going to come in um, to you after here. Um, basically, look, first things first, we, we've spoken about kind of the speed, the athleticism, but really. The main issue here is in 2021, he played just as a slot receiver for Ohio State. So we don't know, can he play on the outside? So you may be drafting him and then he's your slot receiver. The second thing is we don't know if he can be that the main guy because the year where he was really productive, there was teams having to look at Olave. Wilson and this was supposed to be the year that he was going to be able to take off and be that number one guy but we didn't get to see it and that's one of the things that is 
unfortunate. There are some times when you see some concentration drops from them, and that's one of the issues that I guess you're you're going to see that that needs to be a little bit more consistent. But it's hard to know again because we only have data from 13 games, really. Because obviously he played in seven games as a freshman, but when you're only getting 10 receptions, there's not enough data there. Really, the only data set we have is from 2021. And like I said, the issue is that you're kind of being pigeonholed into a guy that played almost entirely from the slot. You have a guy that, like we said, doesn't have kind of those elite athletic traits that a lot of people look for. But then also when you were looking for him to be able to take that next step and maybe do a variety of different things this year, we don't get that because of the medicals. And there's not going to be a whole lot of negatives in terms of his game elsewhere. But the problem is some of the important answers to questions that we would have wanted, you're just not going to get because we're not going to be able to rewind the clock and see what he would have done this year. He's coming out this year so that's a problem second one obviously is the will he get red flags from some teams because of the medical i think that's the main question and the main rumors we're gonna have to listen to after during and after the combine because he's gonna meet with teams teams are going to be able to get that medical information if he isn't able to provide the medical information to teams during the combine there will be teams that will put red flags on that and be like, how bad is this hamstring injury if he still can't do a medical to where he can pass it? At what point can he say, I'll be fully healthy at this point? Because if he says that, teams will then have to say, okay, so by the pro day, we should be able to do a thorough medical or there should be a thorough medical that we can actually look at and be able to say, okay, we're happy with the hamstring. Those are some of the key questions there, Tony. And how important do you think it's going to be that number one, that he's able to go to the combine and interview with all these teams and to provide that. And if he's able to provide that, you start seeing kind of those rumors coming out that teams are happy with his medical. How do you think that changes the talk around this wide receiver? Yeah. And I say exactly. It's just going to depend on how the approach the the draft process or the combine process because end of the day effectively what you're looking at here is a slot receiver who's had one season of play um he's not that that's what you're that's what you're working with here and you're working with fair enough it was a great season absolutely but end of the day he's still a slot receiver who's had one good year um he's not a number one guy now People, well, we don't know if he's number number one guy, but we don't think he is because we've not seen him play in those situations. But interestingly, even when um, he was fit, I mean, he was never left on the field in uh, two wide receiver sets at Ohio mm-hmm. State. Uh, he was always he was always taken out of there. So those coaches are completely aware of what players can and can't do. Now, admittedly, he did have, you know, there was two other players there at the time who were, you know, better than him, but that doesn't mean you say that you can't also give these other people an opportunity. Um, uh, you know, clearly, I would imagine they think the drop off too much there. I don't know, but it's definitely something to be concerned about. Um, I think with if he doesn't run the 40, I think even if he doesn't run a 40 at, at the combine, that's still going to raise some eyebrows in itself. Yeah, um, I know you're talking about waiting for the pro day and that may happen, but it's like, well, hold on, it's a hamstring injury here. What has happened to this hamstring? 
to make it so bad that he's needed effectively a full year to recuperate from it, kind of thing, you know. So there's a lot to a lot to sort of look at that there. Um I get concerned about that. I get concerned about the fact that even when he was playing, he was an he's an above average athlete. Okay. He's not an elite athlete. Okay. We're not this is the difference between guys that get drafted in the top 10 and the guys that get drafted in the bottom of the first or the, or the top of the second round is that elite athleticism. Um, and I, that that's a concern. Obviously, he doesn't have a huge burst, doesn't have huge high-end speed. You add all that to the fact that you've already done something to your hamstring, which is taking forever to get over. And that, for me, is a couple of different red flags there. And again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I do like him, but this is the conversations that these guys are going to be having in the front office just now. And whether or not, what do you want to do? Do you want to spend a first round draft pick on this guy? And he might turn out to be great. Or do you want to play it safe and we'll do it? We'll go with the second, we'll go with a second round pick, or we'll maybe try and get him at the bottom of the first or something like that. Do you want to gamble that much of a high draft pick on something that's not a sure thing? We've seen so many teams fall to one season wonders before. I don't want to mention a man from the North Carolina Tar Heels, but we've been in that situation before as well, um, and we don't want to go back there. So I think you have to do do your due diligence and absolutely um, get the medical information, uh, get prognosis. All that information is going to be so important because at the end of the day, these are not just players, but they're also business investments. Um, they're, they're other people's jobs are on the line as well. So be smart. Um, and and that that's it exactly it's, it's the risk versus the reward, um, and that's the, I suppose that's the gamble of the draft in itself as well. Um, but speaking specifically, and I will come back later on when uh, when we sort of wrap up on what we think of the guy. But specifically about those things, they concern me a little bit, um, only from the point of view of using a higher pick. Um, if I, we spent like a second round on him. I'd feel a lot more comfortable with it. But for a team like the Bears, who really need to cement these kind of building blocks and foundations this year, you want to be using them on... Well, there's no surefire thing in the draft, of course, but yeah. some, something with a bit more on your side in terms of an evidence base that they can do it in different positions. They, can, they don't have injury history, all that type of thing. Yeah, and the thing is, when it comes to this, and this is why I put up there the risk versus the reward because, well, that is the draft in general. Teams like to take calculated risks where they can try and get as much information there as possible. But also teams are going to know that in terms of wide receivers in the first round, there's about a 30% hit rate. And actually, the it's funny, the best round recently even for wide receivers has been at the top of the second round. Typically, the first or second receiver off the board in the second round tends to have a similar career trajectory as some of those later first round picks. So that's where it is going to be one of those that if he comes in and he's able to be fully healthy and you were able to get him at the back end of the first round or at the top of the second round, you're probably thinking that's a hell of a pick. I did really good there. Got to get him at maybe lower than what he would have been if he played those two years. And it was a calculated risk that kind of worked out. But if you're taking him in the top 10, 
you're not 100% sold on the medical, that's an issue. And that's where these question marks will come in. There will be some teams that will already have Jackson Smith and Jigba off their board because they'll be like, I don't like a hamstring injury keeping a receiver out for the entire year. Even if he gets back fully healthy again, he could re-aggravate that injury and be out for a year. And that's what some teams will think. And it's that's just the way it works, especially with some of these soft tissue injuries that you may be able to rehab it, rehab it. but to, I always say I actually prefer to break break my leg than have a really bad like hamstring injury because at least you know when you've broken a bone, you can fix it. It can be surgically repaired with a hamstring. It's kind of what degree of injury was it? Was it just that he had a worse injury that they thought and he just re-aggravated it by trying to play on it? And that could be it. And then he could be back a lot sooner. But I think, like you mentioned, Tony, the combine's going to be interesting. The reason why I don't think that he'll run the 40-yard dash is because we see guys every single year pulling with hamstring injuries in the 40. And that's why I think he will probably be advised to wait until his pro day when it's in like a environment that's conducive to him and that he can control pretty much everything around it. That's what I think. But then there will be conversations. There will be conversations on, well, how healthy are you? Because if he does the medicals and the shows that they pass, they'll be like, why didn't you run the 40 then? Like, is there something else that's there? And these are some of the things that will come out. So with that, we go to kind of the next section of this, the fit with the Bears, right? And and Seth, I'll, I'll come to you on this. Like, it, may, it makes sense. If he was fully healthy, you look at it and it's like, he's already played with Justin. Justin knows the type of guy he is, knows his mentality, knows what he's like in the room, knows how smart he is. Or if he, or if he wasn't, he would know that as well. So there is the inside track there. You also see that some of the things that we mentioned that the Bears staff have looked for from other wide receivers, can they block? Are they good with the ball in their hand? Can they track the football? Are they good route runners? Do they have good footwork? That's some of the things that we've heard them talk about. He's able to do. So when you look at it in terms of stylistically, the receivers that are there, it does make a lot of sense if there was no injury there. Do you agree with that? Do you think that, if we took away injuries and he did play this year or that great year was this, was this past year, do you think stylistically he would be the best option as a wide receiver to, for the bears to target? Um, I don't know about the, the best fit. I think he is a good fit in the system. I think his yeah. route, the way his route running is, you know, lends itself very much to the scheme. Um, we've seen, People, you know, all over um, the kind of Shanahan style of offense have success with that. They don't, they're not all like burner, you know, they're not all Devontae Adams. They're not all Debo. You know, a lot of them are the ones that have success are really quality route runners who can do a little bit of everything. Um, the reason I say not the best fit is I personally think his ceiling is a really good number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of have one of those. Um, and so we know how that can be. Like you'll have some days where you're like, oh, I think maybe he can be a number one, and then he'll disappear or you know have a, a lackluster showing. Um, I think scheme fit-wise, he's very good for this. You know, He does the right things in, in blocking. You know, he's not pancaking everybody, but he, can, he knows how to engage a block and how to hold it in a way that you know can do his job. 
Um, he's not going to be like a Pickens where he just, you know, forearm shivs somebody 20 feet, you know, into the sideline. But he, he's got the route running ability. He's got the blocking ability. He's got, you know, the being able to qu- pick up a, a playbook relatively quickly. Um, I'd have to dive deeper into exactly what his route tree was at Ohio State. Personally, from what I watch, it's not as though they're running um, their their slot receivers are running a lot of different things. So I'd have to see, you know, what he how some of his routes are in 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 the full book of his routes. Um, but I think it, his skill set lends himself well to this scheme in particular, um, and I think there is a definite place for that. You know. They need somebody who can be that slot guy. Yeah, absolutely. And look, with that, we'll come to the next section of it, which this is a, a part of it, of these kind of shows that are is going to be really interesting. And just getting the viewpoint from the Chicago Bears fans, and that's something that I think is going to be interesting. So I put out a post yesterday about Jackson Smith and Jigba, and there's quite a few comments on there. So I'm just going to put this up on the screen so we can kind of scroll through a couple of them. Um, so we have – um, let's go to the top and see what we had. So, okay, so from Kyle, he says, I, I think he's really good but not worth uh, working around the draft to get him. The Bears would have to finagle a way to get to 12 to 18 range. Um, without reaching over better players, and DJ says I like him, but he can stay. But can he stay healthy? Is the key. Uh, Snowman <laughs> says I would love to get him. I am also. I also understand that given where they're drafting, it's unlikely that he would be a player that makes sense and um, drafting or will be available where they have picks. Um, if they're trading us them an extra late one or early two, I'd be in on them at that range. Um. Tommy says, just watch the Rose Bowl game. He'll be solid in the NFL, top half of wide receivers. Combine isn't everything. Some dudes just produce. And if anybody hasn't seen that Rose Bowl game, he had something like 14 or 15 receptions for like 325 yards. It was ridiculous. Um, it's it's one of those that is really good. Let's go to it a little bit. So we've a couple of other ones here. So Dave says, look at his per-year breakdowns. In a given game, he looks good. But he seemed to eat best with Olave and Wilson, so I'm not sure he's worth working back that far in the draft. Now, again, we've mentioned that really there was only one year of data there. Um, Kevin mentions, if Justin Fields says he wants Bears to draft JSN, who am I to argue differently? Bengals listed Bur- listened to Burrow and drafted Chase over Sewell. Looked like that worked out, and Chase didn't play an entire season before the pros. Trade down, add picks, and draft Smith and Jigba seems simple. Um, then we have a couple of other ones. We have Robert saying he's a bust. I don't know how he hasn't played yet. And then I would worry about him having nagging hammy problems. And look, very different comments, but very fair comments from a lot of different fans. Some are, are big fans of them. Others still want some of those questions answered, which it's going to kind of reflect on how these teams, some teams are going to love Jackson Smith and Jigba and others are going to have, a lot of question marks there. So, yeah, go ahead, Tony. No, I, I was going to say, listen, and, and they, they're absolutely, you know, you should have question marks. There's no doubt about that at all. I think there's a lot to be said for the Justin Fields aspect of this, though, right? Um, because you, ha- you have to look at players who can elevate other players. 
and players who can come out and be better in certain situations with certain players around about them, certain scheme fits, all that kind of stuff. And this seems like one that could be sort of like that. Let's think back. Let's let's think. Let's think about like you mentioned Devontae Adams earlier on, Seth. Right? Okay. What other player in the league is also six foot one, Devontae Adams? What other player in the league is also around two hundred pounds, Devontae Adams? What other player in the league um, was also taken in the what the late second round, Devontae Adams? And he's elevated by a guy like Aaron Rodgers. He's elevated by being in the right system. Um, you know, so the, and he wasn't a burner. He he. Well, in comparison to me, he is he, he, his forty? <laughs> his forty. He, he he ran a four 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 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's they're very similar athletically. If you look at it like that, um. So what what I can say is that if you get someone like that in the right situation, you have to take into account that good quarterbacks and good coaches can elevate that even further. And, you know, you talk about not having top-end speed. If you top-end speed, this guy's a first-round pick without, a, without a, you know, you don't have to decide anything because the route running alone allows that. The big difference here is the fact that you've only got one season of production. Devontae Adams had two seasons of production in college where he was over 1,300 yards both years, I think it was, something like that. So that's the difference there. So that's why, for me, that'll push him down further, further than he would be. Um, but I still think it's one of those things where it's, it's definitely worth a gamble because of the fact of you knowing that he, if you know that he is a great fit for you and that you have complete faith in your quarterback. And this is what it comes back to is that do you have faith in your quarterback um, and your and the coaches that are, that are building the team around about him? Because at the end of the day, <laughs> Smith and Jigba isn't the only player that's going to make this team better. The, play, the team's going to be better by having a better offensive line to allow more time to throw the ball, to having guys like Mooney and uh, Claypool step up and be that other threat that we've seen like in Ohio State when you've had three really good wide receivers, which then allows your other guy to go off because they're, they're too busy worrying about the others. So there's so many nuances that go into this whole conversation. Um, and and, and I, I think it's it's unwise to just focus on one aspect of it for me. I think you have to you have to look at the full picture, and a lot of it will be dependent for me on will this work out. Depends what we do in free agency. Depends how much we bolster the the line in free agency, um, and and obviously if Justin Fields taking that next step going into next year as well, that's going to be a huge huge aspect of this. Yeah, and look, there's one thing that. It's definitely a fair comment, but I will kind of rebut this a little bit where say, I think Justin is just supporting his college guys. Definitely could be that, but we also have to remember in recent years that we've seen, obviously, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase get linked up. But in that same draft, we saw Tua get linked up with Jalen Waddell. Both of those guys had a massive impact on who their teams did draft. Now, the difference is just the area of where those teams were picking matched with what the kind of the prognosticators were saying that where those draftees should go. The only reason why I think we are not talking more about this is because the Bears are at number one. If the Bears were drafting at 12 or 13, I think a lot more people would be talking about this as a genuine 
fit a genuine possibility. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes and kind of where he's eventually going to get drafted. Like some people have him in the first round. Some people are like, maybe he'll fall out of the first round. I personally don't believe he will. I still think he's going to be a first round pick. The only way he falls out for me is if there's too many teams that have failed them on the medicals. Um, that's the only way I see him falling out of the first round. But with that, we're going to come to the end. And the last kind of section of this is the final summary is, should the Bears draft Jackson Smith and Jigba? Let's say the Bears move down. And even if they move down further than some fans want them to, let's say they move back with the Tennessee Titans who are at 11 and they get multiple picks from multiple years. Let's say they get their first, the second, the third round pick this year, future first, and they're then in that spot outside the top 10. In that type of scenario, Seth, I'm going to come to you first, and then Tony, I'll come to you after. Should the Bears draft Jackson Smith and Jigba? Seth, I'll let you go first. I personally don't think so. Um, Just at that position and where I view his ceiling at in the first round, I want elite starter for you know going to be that guy who takes us to the next level almost on his own you know and i just don't see him there if you're talking top of the second round yes i'm all for it and tony yeah i'm, I'm kind of the same i um i, I would like to have him on the team but I, I don't really want to give up a high first round pick for him um i think we have too many other needs to fill um, and for me, it's just that one year of production that, that puts me off more than anything, to be honest with you, playing with the guys he was playing with as well. Um, and I, I know it just goes against what I was saying two minutes ago, but again, this is, this is exactly the conversation that coaches will be having right now about this guy and it'll, they'll be going back and forth and back and forth. Um, I need to see. I need to see what he does at the combine, and I need to see how he looks for me to give a final sort of answer on this. But at the moment, I would be more comfortable if it was a very bottom of the round, first round pick, top of the second round sort of pick that we've picked up in a trade. I completely agree. Um, I even though I've mentioned for the basis of this video a lot of the positives and some of those big limitations. I don't think you can risk a wide receiver that high up that you don't know everything about, that it is only one year. I think in an ideal situation, the Bears can move down in the draft. They still have a very good pick. Let's say they do move down with Indy, but they get Indy's second-round pick. I would then trade the Baltimore second-round pick if he falls to the bottom of round one. That's where I think a sweet spot would be. But to do that, you would have to be able to get an extra second round in whatever trade. Because really, I would like to still be at the top of that second round. And I feel like if you were planning on picking a wide receiver in round two with that kind of second with that second pick, I think I'd rather trade that to get back into the first round to be able to be, to pick him. Now he could be gone at that stage and then it doesn't it doesn't work out. But I think that's probably the ideal situation. I think right now, until we know what his medical is going to be like, it's going to be very hard for any team to say that he he should be picked in the top 10 to top 15. If he passes the medicals and he runs well 
and he shows out and then you're going to see teams push him up draft boards and you will see him go kind of between 11 to like 15 or 16 because realistically there were receivers last year in the draft that went at that stage that were not as talented as Jackson Smith and Jigba and with the with it being a weak free agency class this year with a lot of teams putting a lot of emphasis at wide receiver in recent years I think that's where you might see him get drafted a little bit higher than people expect but if he does fall down into the 20s and the Bears have picked up that extra second round I'd be fine with with trading that what was it number 58 or 59 to move back up to get him as long as the Bears had traded down and picked up like the 35th or 36th pick in the draft because then if you really wanted to you can move that down or you could take somebody at that point but I think that's really where we're at at the moment there's a lot to be kind of to go through over the coming months for Jackson Smith and Jigba um for anybody that is listening to this back please kind of get your opinions of this wide receiver in the comments if you want that quick scouting profile on Jackson Smith and Jigba it is up on the YouTube channel as well just a five minute video to go through get your opinion on that like the video as well it really helps us out we will have two free agency videos coming out tomorrow we have one that was done by anthony on our show about ben powers the offensive guard from the baltimore ravens the viability of the bears potentially using some of their free agency money on him and there will be a video on saquon barkley as well with all the kind of rumors today that their quarterback wants 40 something million and they might actually let's say go on here free agency and seeing is it a, a move that the bear should make or should they just focus on on the line so those are two videos that will be coming out tomorrow we will have some more content later on in the week as well so stick with us make sure that you are subscribed turn the notification bell on so you don't miss any of these shows as well tony seth it was really good to be able to talk to you guys again we have a lot of more content coming up there's going to be more free agency talk for you tony because i know you said at the start of the show that's what you're getting into so there's going to be way more of that over the coming days and coming weeks so stick with us on the irish bear show and until next time bear down bear down mm-hmm.